in relationships. And so uh, last week we talked about how to have a strong, uh, a strong, not just foundation, but a strong support system. How many of you know a, a strong support system is important? And we talked about having overseers in your life. We talked about having shakers in your life, people that you do life with. And you also uh, need some sharpeners in your life. Say sharpeners. And the last one was students. You need to take somebody under your wing. I have a friend here today, friends here today, that they're actually sharpeners in my life. And, uh, and they were just going to come visit the church. And we were like, man, I know that you've got uh, something uh, stirring on the inside of, of you. I want you to just share with us. How many of you know it's important to have sharpeners? It's important to have friends that are going in the same direction. And so they're actually starting a church in Prairieville at the end of the year. How many of you know some people in Baton Rouge? Wave at me. Lots of people in here. You need to say, you need to get hooked up with Table Church in Prairieville. I'm telling you, you're going to love this guy. You're going to love this family. And I just want to welcome up uh, Joey and Summer. If you can come on up, let's give them a hand. Come on, stand on your feet. Give them a hand. They're an amazing couple. Listen, we want to pray for you because we believe this. We believe that the local church is the hope of the world. And what you're doing, we get it. There is big faith in what you're doing. There are no certainties in what you're doing. But like that worship song where there seems like there's no way, God makes a way. And I'm so excited about this new step faith journey for y'all. God is on you, and it's evident. And so we just want you to know that this church is backing you up. We want to even give to you today at the end. If you want to designate your giving to Table Church, we give to these guys. Listen, everything's faith when you do this. This is not a business. This is God's business. Yeah, right. And you right. step out in faith. And to have somebody back you up means everything. And how many of you know that this is uh, not just Joey and Summer from here on out? This is Uncle Joey and Aunt Summer. That's They're right. going to be here regularly. <laughs> so can we pray for them for what they're doing? And he's going to give us a word in the next 30 minutes. And, and I just uh, encourage you to lean in and just have tune into what God is saying to you. Stretch your hands out towards these guys. We're going to pray for them. Lord, we thank you for Joey and Summer and their family. Lord, we thank you for the anointing that you've put on their life. Lord, we thank you that you have called them, that you have anointed them, that you have set them apart. And Lord, I thank you that you are surrounding them with a strong support system. Lord, I thank you that they, they feel you all around in each step. And even when it's scary, they have your peace, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're just... You are downloading them with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We thank you for all the souls that are going to be one in Baton Rouge because of Table Church. I thank you that they'll come from the north, south, east, and the west. It will be a place where God's presence dwells. It will be a place where the kingdom is on earth. And we thank you that you are doing the work, not by power, not by their own strength, but by your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Do what only you can can do through table church in the name of Jesus and if you believe it everybody says amen come on let's give God a hand you can be seated thank you bro love you man hey come on give God some praise in this place <clears throat> I love uh, that that pastor Evan went ahead and introduced me as uncle Joey so it's all right just go ahead and just start using it now just uncle Joey's in the house 
I'm going to go ahead and make myself at home a little bit. Man, that, I, man I just want to say this. Man, was worship not incredible a moment ago? Guys, look, I'm telling you, I, I've had the privilege to visit a lot of different churches, and, and, um, and you can always tell when you first walk in what a church is about. And I'm telling you, when, when I walked in this sanctuary and I walked in the, on this property, I felt peace. I felt freedom. I, I love this, too, when you see, man, having the, the younger generation in worship. And, and, and also, we have a little wisdom around here. Look, I'm getting a little gray, too. Come on now. But, man, just seeing the, this church, I, I just really believe that, man, the next of you is the best of you. And, and I want to take a moment, look, to just brag on your pastors Man, love them so much, and, and typically a lot of times whenever someone will come in and speak, um, you know, it's, man, you, you're supposed to honor, but I want you to know I really do mean this. You know, sometimes in life, man, whenever you're stepping out and doing things, or you ever been in a season where life is not giving, you know what I'm talking about? Man, you need to get some life-giving people around you. You know, you can have faithful friends, but I don't know about you, look, I want faith-filled friends, and, and that's what Evan and Leah are to us, man. They're just amazing people. I mean, I can call Evan just, man, I'm, having, I'm going crazy today. And, man, hey, bro, I believe in you. Hey, it's, it's just faith-filled. But another thing about them, too, is the same people that you see in public are the same people that you see in private. And I just want to tell you that you are being stewarded extremely well. You're being stewarded well. You're being prayed over. You're being loved over. And I'm telling you, man, get behind them. I know this is an amazing church, but, man, pray for your pastors. Lift them up, because I'm telling you, champion the cause of Christ. It's a burden, and I'm telling you, what it is is you have a burden for the people that you steward, because you're going to give account for it one day. So, hey, let's give it up for your pastors real quick. Incredible. So, again, my, my beautiful wife, since I got, uh, I've been dubbed Uncle Joey, uh, I call her Fancy, and there's a reason for that. She's Fancy. Uh, and uh, I, I play the Drake song a lot. She fancy, though. She fancy. Hair done, nails done, everything there done. But, man, just uh, we have four amazing kids, Brennan, Trevor, Noah, and Faith, and uh, 20-year-old, 18, 15, and 14. Uh, I forget their birthdays a lot, uh, but God's still working on me. But, but also, look, I'll, I'll claim I have a 150-pound bull massive named Diesel that my wife calls my stupid dog, but he's going to be a good dog one day. So he's a kid, too, and then we have our little... Tasmanian Devil Poodle Mad Max. So that's what the Laird House is like. It's full, filled with a lot of just eventful times. But uh, before we jump in, look, our, our starting text uh, is going to be Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 33. And if you have your Bibles and you're taking notes, there's a 99% chance that you'll automatically get into heaven. Um, <laughs> Pastor Evan told me that, and uh, he even said, look, hey, you know, note takers are history makers. Come on, somebody. But uh, <clears throat> yesterday, just in prayer, I really felt like God, when he was just telling me that you guys are starting your, your, your cruise, your small group season, uh, man, I, I just could not get past this scripture. I'm not speaking from this scripture, but I really felt led before we jump in. I just want to read something to you, because I really believe, man, I've, I've watched your journey. I've watched the journey of, of Church 54, and I'm telling you that God is about to do something spe special with this church. God's about to do something special in the city of New Orleans uh, man can't take credit for it. The world can't take it away. But I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be a spirit-led thing. But I want to read this to you. As you enter your small group seasons, and this is in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. But it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to God's word. They devoted themselves to, to fellowship. 
They devote themselves to sharing meals together. Come on, you gotta, if I have a church like Table Church, I'm going to be talking about food. But, but they devote themselves to the Lord's Supper. They devote themselves to prayer. You see, obedience is on us, but all outcomes are on God. But then it goes on because of their devotion, their intentionality with, with b- being together and the things that they were pursuing and pursuing God. Here's what happened from it. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together at Church 54 and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared their money with those in needs. They worshipped. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared meals with great joy and generosity. Another way of saying that with the generosity aspect, they did that with a sincere heart. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And here's what the promise is. Here's what I believe is going to happen for you guys. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship and those that were being saved. I'm telling you, Church 54, the more that you keep championing the cause of Christ, the more that you keep helping outsiders feel like insiders, the more that you generously show grace upon grace and and believe in people and say, hey, look, God has a plan. He's real, and everyone deserves a chance to hear about it. The more you continue to serve soul food to your community through acts of kindness and outreach, I'm telling you, God's going to breathe on this place. There won't be a marketing plan. There won't be any strategy. There'll be people that walk in just like the Jacobs, the deceivers, the people of the past, and surely the Lord's in this place, and I was not even aware of it. I'm telling you, the local church and the, the hope that you guys have, I'm telling you, it is going to cause. We don't, look, I don't want to just sing about revival. I believe revival has to start with us. And I'm telling you, if we get that right as you enter this next season, I'm, look, we need a new building. I'm telling you right now, we need a new building because of all the people that we're going to reach. Come on, give God some praise for that. Amen. Look, I... <clears throat> So I want to frame up our time together around the whole big idea uh, of table to table. You know, maybe a little sub uh, title of table of grace, but we're going to be in the gospel of Luke. And I love the gospel of Luke just because Luke is a physician. He's a little bit more detail-oriented. He's, look, I'm the Enneagram 8. My wife is more the, like that C-type personality, so I'm the dreamer challenger. But she's like, hey, I'm, we're going, I'm going this way. This is what we're going to do. She's like, well, how are we going to do it? She brings it back in. So Luke gives more details. I like the, the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, too, what's interesting is there's 10 encounters that Jesus has with meals with people. Jesus always was having meals with people. He had meals with people that they didn't think he needed his grace, and he had meals with people that felt they didn't deserve his grace. There's a man named Robert Karras, who is, he's an English theologian. He says, in the book of Luke, Jesus was either at a meal, coming from a meal, or leaving a meal. These meals, what we're discovering in these moments, look, they're, they're more than just meals. These meals with Jesus or a window into his message of grace, his message of community, his message of mission, his message of sacrifice, and the kingdom that he came to establish. These mills are more than just metaphors and symbols. Uh, it, they, they carry some life-transforming truths. If we lean in a little bit, receive them. Every one of these mills, they capture a message, and every message, make no mistake about it, it matters to humanity. There's so much that we can learn from these mills, each moment, each conversation, they represent something bigger. They represent a new world, a new kingdom, a new way, a new perspective 
that I would submit to you that I believe that we're called to live by. Question, any, any, any foodies in the house? Who in here loves food? Oh, come on. Like, who's hungry after church? All right, all right. Look, I love food. Summer's uh, fancies, spiritual gift is cooking. My spiritual gift is eating. I love eating food. Our small group of choice is a dinner party, call some friends together, have them all come over. Uh, look, I love, who loves getting dressed up and just going out? And uh, look, a little humble brag, be like, baby, we look good. We look rich. And she's like, but we know the truth. We're not rich. <laughs> love food. I love, it's amazing food connects connect strangers. There's something about a meal. I love it too, like whenever we pray, when we say, let's say grace. I think it's just a little reminder, a little God wink that we all need that grace. There's something about a meal. Jesus, he had a, he had a street name in the Gospels. It was called the, the Son of Man. And it's the Old Testament prophecy that would point to Jesus one day. And the Son of Man means the, the Son of God. And there were three different ways that he would communicate that. How would you finish that statement? You know, the Son of Man came to, to, to heal people, to, to, to help people. The Son of Man came to, uh, you know, just go around and, and, and just serve the poor. How would you finish that statement? Well, Jesus gives it three times, three descriptions. And the first two are interesting. They're statements of purpose. But the third one is a method. The Son of Man came. See, the Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to many. The second one is this. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Again, the statements of purpose. But here's the third one. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. You see, his motive was redemption. One of his methods was a mill. Right here in Luke chapter 7, verse 33 and 35, and I'm reading from the NLT and also the Passion Translation this morning, it says, for John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating, eating bread and drinking wine, and, and you say he's possessed by a demon. Yet the Son of Man, on the other hand, he feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. I love when Jesus gets all just kind of witty. He's like, but wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who, that, of, who follow it. This is what Jesus is saying about himself whenever he was criticized by the religious elite. He says, you guys say all I do is drink with sinners, but wisdom is proved by her actions. In other words, my actions speak for themselves, and they reveal what type of person that I am. See, Jesus was not the helper of sinners. He was the friend of sinners. Jesus was relational. He wasn't religious. Jesus' style of ministry was campfire to campfire, house to house. It was like it was a meal drawn out into the evening. It was saying, hey, Evan, what are you like? Hey, what, what, hey are you rooting for the Bengals tonight? Or If you're a Rams fan, I just can't be, I don't know, I have to think about that a little bit. But, 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 but you know what, like what makes you tick? Hey, hey, what are your parents like? Where'd you grow up? Hey, what, what are some of your dreams? That's relational. The gospel is not transactional. It is relational. That's who Jesus was. You would think Luke, with his attention to details and his just OCD and you know, type mindset, that he would actually do whatever he possibly could to prove the critics wrong. But actually, he does the opposite. He goes in and, and just starts telling more and more about the type of people that Jesus would ha allow with, at his table and share meals with him. He proves them right by showing that. 
Look, I want to warn you, this is probably one of the most provocative stories in the Bible and very scandalous story of grace, and it gets a lot of airplay. And even Jesus said, hey, we're going to talk about this moment all over the world, this one act, this one moment. And it's the woman you've heard of with the alabaster jar or alabaster box. Reading from the Passion Translation, starting in verse 36, and they'll have it on the screen for you. It says, afterwards, a Jewish re religious leader named Simon asked Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus accepted the invitation. When he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. Come on, say with me, at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster. She filled it with the most expensive perfume. She went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with her tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. She opened her flask and, and, and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, he was like, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were a prophet, man, he would actually know what type of sinful woman is touching him. You have to understand how scandalous and how crazy in, a, in a, an ancient Eastern culture for this to be taking place, especially in a religious leader, a political leader, his home with a traveling rabbi or evangelist coming in. It just does not happen. There's a book that I read a while back. I just love this book. It's by a guy named Tim Chester. It's called Mills with Jesus. But he really kind of modernizes this story. And he's like, imagine, hey, look, all of a sudden, look, you're invited to this dinner party. And uh, it's, the, it's the home as a religious leader, very prominent man. And there's this rabbi. There's this teacher coming in. And he's got all these new radical ideas. And there's the, these new perspective. And, you know, he's called. There's a lot of airplay about him. He's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of likes on social media. Uh, thousands of, of people are looking at his, his, his views on his reels. And he's like, but I'm telling you right now, like, like but a lot of people don't want to be anything around him. They won't be around in these new ideas. But you know what? I have an open mind. I'm a little hungry tonight. So I'm going to go just hang out at this dinner party. See what this, this teacher, this rabbi is all about. All of a sudden, you hear a doorbell ring. And all of a sudden, you look at the host, his wife. And she turns as white as a ghost. Because in walks a woman with stiletto heels, a dress that's way too short, a blouse that's way too, too low. She's painted up to the nines. She's, she's leaning to the left. She's trying to stay right, probably because she's had way too many hurricanes in the French Quarter. And, and all of a sudden, now she's drinking martinis. And all of a sudden, she walks right up to the traveling preacher and throws her arms around him and says something like this, I'm always going to be yours. All of a sudden, it's very awkward. You know, like the awkward turtle. You ever seen the turtle upside down before? It's just awkward in the room. And Somebody got the awkward turtle. <laughs> try it. Can you do it? Seriously, try it. There you go. That was awkward. Uh, did I tell you how Uncle Joey's ADD? Where was I? She goes straight to the preacher, and all of a sudden her mascara, her mascara's running. Everyone in the room sees to be, seems to be just frozen. 
what type, what type of this, begin to start thinking for Jesus, like, what, man, it must be embarrassed for him. What type of respectful person has to deal with this immoral, sinful woman? Man, who does she think she is? And, and, but then all of a sudden, Jesus says something to her like this. I'll always love you. All of a sudden, it, then things get a little bit more awkward and weird. It's obvious he doesn't know who this woman is. It's obvious, man, why can't he see this for himself? Man, he ought to show a little bit more wisdom and discernment. Come on, Jesus. She might think it's a come on. Maybe it is. Maybe he's one of her customers. The visiting preacher clearly has big problems. So the host concludes that we've made a mistake in what type of man this is. You look at this story, you can see how this, Luke paints this picture of this Roman Greco symposium and a, and a meal that's followed with a very, very long extended into the evening with extended discussion and homes in Jesus' time, especially for maybe a religious leader or someone that like a political person, were very large homes. It was very kind of open like this to where people off the street, they would kind of come by and they would want to hear some of the new ideas, the new dialogue, some of the things just to listen to the conversation. And the poor often, what would happen to them, they would be on the outside, possibly waiting for some, some leftovers. And see with all this in mind just how this picture might have unfolded. And most translations, look, they don't call her a prostitute, but it's definitely what's implied. At minimum, she's known throughout the city for her sins, her you know, being very promiscuous. She's known for it. She's known for her sexual exploits and her sinful ways. And a woman like this would never, ever, ever be invited to this type of dinner party. This woman treats Jesus with a shocking degree of, of intimacy. But here's the deal. It's not appropriate behavior for some of the religious elite. She lets down her hair to wipe the tears from Jesus' feet. And I want you to know this. In that culture, the only time a woman would let down her hair was in the bedroom with her husband. Then she begins kissing his feet, and she poured perfume on them. And some scholars suggest that she's, she's treating him like a client. I would say maybe it's the only way that she knows how to relate to someone. Everything about this woman is wrong. She does not belong here. And her actions that she performs, they're inappropriate, especially for someone like Jesus. But lean in, watch this. But Jesus doesn't stop her. He doesn't say like, hey, look, I'm a little embarrassed right now. He pulls her off to the side and he's like, hey, look, this is kind of inappropriate. You're going to have to kind of watch this. No, he doesn't stop her. I think what's interesting is based on the type of person that Jesus accepts and allows to touch him, Simon begins to start questioning what type of person Jesus is. The woman is no longer in question. Everyone in the room, is they're quite clear about what she is. They're quite clear about her past. But all of a sudden, the attention turns to Jesus. Why is it, and again, I've, I, look, I've, I've done this before. Why is it that sometimes we question God when we question who he should or shouldn't accept at his table. 
See, the table in this culture, I want you to know that it was a very, it was, it was reserved, it was a very special place, but it was reserved for friends and family. You just didn't show up to, to someone's house. Like, you can come to my house, you can use any bathroom you want, you can open up the refrigerator, take your shoes off, hey, look, but you did not do that in this particular setting, this particular culture. To a religious person, okay, Simon, guess what? The table of his house or his home was very special, but at the same time, it was very sacred. If you were clean and impure, you never came to that table. What is, what is Jesus saying right here? You see, the grace of God, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes for religious, self-righteous people. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying that grace makes space for sinners. Who you include or exclude, not just a physical table. I'm talking about the tables of your life, okay? Who you include or exclude, I'm telling you, says a lot about the type of person that you are. And I say that respectfully. I had to learn that the hard way. I remember, see, Simon, he didn't have space for this woman, but Jesus provided her with the best seat in the house, sitting at his feet. I remember in 2008, I was working for a great church in Baton Rouge called Healing Place Church, and I served at their Dream Center campus. It was more of kind of just an inner city campus, and we did all kinds of stuff over there. But one of my responsibilities was I was over, uh, it was a, a nonprofit aspect of where I dealt with ex-offenders that were reintegrating back into society. I had 500 men that I was responsible for and 300 women. And I'll never forget one night, we had a Christmas party. And on Friday nights, I did like a, it was like a, a um, you know, people that struggle with addictions, things of the past, but... I had a moment to where <clears throat> we, we did this big Christmas dinner, and, and man, it was the most beautiful thing that you ever saw. You saw homeless people. You saw addicts, people that just got out of jail, people that were able, look, black, white, multicultural, multi-ethnic, and, and you saw all these people coming together. You saw business people, average people. It was the beauty of the gospel taking place. I'll never forget that. And the one thing that I've learned is this, is you have got to be careful that you connect with people before you correct and judge them. You have got to take a moment, I'm telling you, and be intentional and come to the tables of life and listen to their story. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their story is. You don't know if they've been abandoned, abused, or broken and hurt. I'm telling you right now, God's grace makes space for everyone. We need to be accused of generously showing grace upon grace upon grace. I'd rather be accused of showing people too much grace than not enough. we got to hear people's stories. we got to learn the art of being guilty by grace. Church 54, may we always be that type of church that loves people regardless of what they've been through. And I pray this too, that we, I, and I pray that you and I, we never forget where we came from. You know where we, you and I came from. I know how good God's been to me. Who's allowed at your table? Who's welcome? Who's, who's not welcome at your table? Okay, is it the immoral? Is it the irreligious? How about the, the, the conservative or the, the liberal? Or, 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 or look, what about people with different just political views than you? What about someone with a different skin color than you? What about, what about someone doesn't fall under your economic or social status? What about the, the awkward guy or the flirtatious girl? Who's welcome at the tables of your life? I love this. Is your table big enough for people that aren't like you? In the story, and getting back to the text, I love that not only does Jesus welcome the worst of sinners, he calls out the self-righteous. I love it when Jesus just gets all witty and just 
He's like, I'm going to teach you something. He said, Simon, I have a word for you. Seeing Jesus knew his thoughts, he begins to challenge Simon. He responded to his thoughts. Think about that. That's just gangster. He goes on, and Jesus shares this, this parable. It's, it's actually called, some people will call it the, the pardon parable. Picking back up in verse 40, Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. He said, go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000, and the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debts, the kind baker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. He says, you're right. Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman. Look, she's still weeping at his feet. Still weeping at the feet of Jesus. Do you see this woman kneeling here? She is doing for me what you, did not, you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as a guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and dried my feet with her hair. You didn't even welcome me into your home with a customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my head with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and her feet with this finest perfume. Oh, Simon, she's been forgiven of, of all of her many sins. That is why she has shown me such extravagant love. But here's the key. But those who assume they have very little to be forgiven of will love me very little. In other words, Jesus is saying this. He says, look, the reason why she's showing me this lavish, extravagant love, this extravagant hospitality She's been forgiven of a great debt. Her passion has been shaped by her pardon. You see, the reason, look, I'm telling you right now, the, it's not that we just get up here and go through the motions, but the reason that, that I can praise and worship the way I do, the reason I want to just, just help people the way I do, because I know whenever I was homeless, I know whenever I was bound by drugs and alcohol, living an immoral life, I know what it's like to be completely abandoned, abused, and all that. I know that I shouldn't be here saying the goodness of the Lord while I'm still in the land of the living. You know what? Because passion's going to be my response, because for Forgiveness has been my experience. Never forget where we come from. Never forget that. I wasn't going to say this, but I feel led right now. There, there's a lot of times in the Old Testament to where they would build altars. They would take stones, they would build altars to remember when God showed up. I believe that we need to build some mental altars because when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will lift a standard and you can go back to every time he showed up again and again and again. Never forget where you come from. It's crazy. Grace doesn't make allowance for sin. I want you to know that. It makes allowance for sinners. Religious people have a problem with that. Jesus goes on to say, Simon, look, you've got it all together. 
Everything on the outside, you've got this going, that going. He says, but look, I know how ugly you are on the inside. And what's a shame, Simon, is you've allowed the harlot to become the host. You don't think you need this grace. I pray we never get to a point to where we feel like we don't need grace. What's interesting, too, about this story, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus is talking directly to Simon. In the Passion Translation, it doesn't completely give the proper context or the body language of Jesus, but Jesus is talking to him. And all of a sudden, the woman's she's behind him. Jesus then turns from Simon, rejecting the self-righteous pride of this man and the religious spirit that he was operating under. See, whenever someone's trying to relate with you and all of a sudden you turn from them, that's a sign of rejection. But whenever you turn to someone and you start relating with them relationally, it's a sign of acceptance. It's a sign of grace. The most beautiful part of this story is right here. Picking back up, then Jesus said to the woman, as he says, all your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among themselves, who is this one who can forgive sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of peace. Shalom. We don't say that very often. You know what shalom is? Jesus is saying you can go and leave and walk in the ways of wholeness, healing, complete, no longer in pieces. Shalom. Last thing I want to leave you with to think about is, see, God's grace, it gives a fresh start to people with a broken past. Look, I don't know everybody here, and I don't know what you walk through this door, but the Holy Spirit does. I want you to know, if you're here today, no matter what is going on with your life, God's grace and his mercy, it says it's new every morning, but guess what? It's new every second of every day, all day long, and you can have a fresh start today. Jesus is a sympathetic Savior that sympathizes with every single one of your needs. He cares, he knows, and guess what? He wants to respond. Revelations 3.22 says this. He goes, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. It's relational. 2016, my wife and I, we, uh, we started a new campus with a, with a great church in the area, and, and we were living in Baton Rouge, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was just craziness happened. We, we had six feet of water in the house, the, the great flood of, you know, 500-year flood and all that kind of stuff. We lost both our dads, still building God's kingdom, still just doing what we possibly can, and we moved, like, we lived, like, four different places in a span of, like, three months. It was just crazy. It was crazy. And all of a sudden, my wife, my wife, one thing I respect about her, the one thing that she she always had desire to, she's an amazing preacher, pastor, I mean, worship, I mean, all all that stuff. But the one thing she cares about the most is loving people well, being a wife and mother. But she's always had a heart for an adoption. We have four kids. She called me up one day, and she said, hey, look, you got to make this decision. She said, there's a baby in North Carolina. We have an opportunity where we can adopt her. She was just born yesterday. But the thing is a big decision because she possibly, she could have HIV because the mother has AIDS. I'm like, I'll call you back. Called her back and I'm like, let's go for it. Man, we started out a journey, five, six months. And man, it was crazy. It it literally, it was like watching uh, a horror Hallmark movie, if there's such a thing. It was like good, but it was horrible. And uh, then this girl, man, we got to, start talking with the mother, but actually 
the baby, his name actually had our name for a couple days, Hannah Josie, Hannah Josie Laird. And we started, man, we met the mother, started talking with her. And I'll never forget the first time I met the mother. She was 25, 26, 27-year-old girl, something like that. We're all, we have all of our lawyers because it was getting sporty because the state was, was fighting us. But I'll never forget this, this couple moments to where she would just hold her head down, just shame. Just body kind of over like this. And we were letting her, she was coming out to eat with us and we were wanting to listen to her story and we really tried to go into, we knew that it wasn't just about getting the baby, it was about doing something for Tiffany. There was some times to where we were asked, we'd have to ask her tough questions, especially the attorneys about her past. Look, everybody in, I think it's called Morgan County, North Carolina, everybody knew this girl. She had two other kids that she lost. She was well known for her drug addiction, her sexual exploits. Three of her children she wasn't able to even have with her anymore. But I'll never forget, we had to start asking her tough questions. But we just started being life-giving to her. There was nothing really we said. We just were, man, just were life-giving to her. I'll never, one time she said, hey, hey guys, when she felt a little bit more comfortable, her, her head was picking up a little bit more. She told us about her getting a job. And we just celebrated her in the elevator. We're like, come on, girl, man, just, just loved on her. I mean, gave her a hug. I'm telling you, I believe it was probably the first time in a long time that someone ever just encouraged her or touched her or gave her a hug. What's crazy is she used to be a worship leader in church. The devil destroyed her life. I'll never forget the day in a courtroom to where these attorneys, I mean, they destroyed her. I mean, brought up every bad thing from her past. I mean, dude, I, just, I just, just watched her. It was horrible. It was, it was the most horrible thing I've ever seen of someone just, you did this, you did this, this is what you are, this is where you failed, just bam, bam, just one fiery dart after another. And all at the same time, on the other end, we're being life-giving to her and saying, you know what, you're doing better than you think you are. Hey, you're going to get through this. And I remember she got sick one night, and my wife and I went to the hospital to go see her. We were just to love on her and brought us some food, and some got to lead her to Jesus. Story goes, one, we missed one court date after six months, and man, we lost like $60,000, $70,000. But the state ended up basically wiping away our charges if she, they would give the baby to another couple. It was tough. It was really tough. But I know this. Don't you tell me hospitality doesn't matter. Hospitality is not just about people eating your homes. Hospitality is, do people feel at peace in your presence? That's how people felt with Jesus. Don't tell me that believing in someone that cannot change the course of their life. Don't tell me being a conduit between heaven and hell and saying, hey, guess what? You're doing better than you think you are. Give it to Jesus. Bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me saying, hey, guess what? God is a God that saves. He can give you beauty for ashes. Don't tell me that speaking life over someone cannot change the course of their life. One moment of God's anointing, one moment of God's favor can change eternity for someone. But the cool thing is, Jesus said, we're the light of the world, like a city that's set upon a hill. No one takes a, a, a light and puts it under a basket. No, we're going to put it up. We're salt to the earth for all who hunger, all who thirst. 
the last, the first, the saint, the coward, Lord, the prisoner, the soldier, the addict, anyone who's dreamed, anyone who's lost someone, it's for everyone. We are the hope of the world. All this stuff going on, no, the church, the next of us is the best of us. We are going to do great things. But we have to be unified together doing it because here's the deal. I've never seen a move of God happen unless it was birthed out of prayer. And also God builds and breathes on unity. We have to be one-minded. And here's the deal. We have to have a heart for people. You want to find out the will of God for your life? Let me tell you what it is in the will of God. Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You want to care what God, you want what God cares about? His people. Why we do this is because we want to, it's all about the glory of the God and the good of his people. If you would stand right now. Look, I've never been the best at like spitting and like, hey, give me one, give me two. Like, you know, I just, I'd rather just the gospel, the word's gone out. I want to give you 15 seconds. Just look, close your eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today based off of your word? The next question I want to ask you is, Holy Spirit, what should my response be based off the word that was spoken? two people here. If you haven't had the, that really heart for people that, not that Uncle Joey's talking about, what, what, what gospel's talking about, what Bible, what, what Bible is, and, and you just want to say, hey, look, I, I need to be developed in that area to love people well, and I haven't got the tables of my life right, but I, I want to I make, a, make a change in that. You want to be passionate about people and care about what God cares about. Raise your hand with me. If you just, I want to pray for you. Do you want that heart? You want that? I see you. Thank you. Last person. Is there anyone that's here that's far from God? If you're far from God right now, simply raise up your hand. You can have a new beginning today. You can have shalom. You can have peace. Amen. Heavenly Father, if you would raise your hands right now, guys. Let's cry. Don't just be me praying. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now. And, Lord, we are so thankful. God, you're such a good God. You're so filled with grace and beauty and majesty, Father. Lord, we love you so much. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. We invoke the name of God. We invoke the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask right now supernaturally, Lord, for you to give us a passion for people, Father. Lord, let us never look down on someone we're not willing to pull up, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we be the hope, Father. Lord, the light that we, that we possess because of Jesus. Lord, let us go fill up darkness everywhere, Father. Lord, in our, in our schools, our workplaces, Lord, our sphere of influence, Father, let us go in there and be able to change that, that environment, change that circumstance, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, give us, Lord, the people that nobody wants at Church 54. And I know that you're going to give us the people that everybody wants, Father. 
Lord, we're not trying to build a building. We're trying to build people, Father. And Lord, we ask for revival at Church 54. We ask for revival in the city of New Orleans, Father. Lord, we claim it from the north, the south, the east, the west, Father. We stand here right now, just like Joshua said, let the sun stand still. Lord, you're a big God. You can do big things, Lord. Use us, Father, like Isaiah said. Send us, Father. Father, we love you. We honor you. And all God's people said amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. Come on, give Jesus a shout today. Come on. Wow. Just raise your hand if you received that word today. What a beautiful word. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to extend your table this week. How many of you want to extend your table? Listen, a perfect way to do this is through our crews. Sign up with a crew, and I want to encourage you, uh, Joey and Summer at Table Church, if you want to give to them, uh, uh, specify that in your giving today. And listen, let's get in our cruise, and let's not just hear this word. Let's walk it out. How many of you are ready to love people today?